What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Super excited today because I am talking to Monica Tanner of The Brighter Side, both podcast and sexual therapy, sexual coaching. You Would that be okay to call it? Okay. Yeah, relationship <laughs> and intimacy coaching, however you want to say it. They, that is even better than what I could say. So um, I am so fascinated to hear about this kind of business. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So I guess the best place to get started is the beginning. Sure. <laughs> when, when did you start realizing that um, this was something that you wanted to pursue as an entrepreneur? And how did you make a go of that? Yeah, so maybe if you want me to start at the beginning, it was um, when I was young, I was part of a very traditional nuclear family. I had a mom and a dad and a brother and we ate dinner together every night and all seemed fantastic until I was about 12 years old. And my parents announced that they were getting a divorce. And I remember it just destroyed this like perfect little cocoon life that I was used to. And I became really obsessed with what made marriages strong and lasting. I was like very precocious and I would go to my friend's house and I would take copious mental notes of their parents and how they responded to each other. And, and so I was very, um, very aware of relationships all around me at all times. I went to college and I studied sociology and child development with the intention of going on to get my master's of social work so that I could work with families ongoing. Um, but after I graduated from college, met the man of my dreams, we fell in love. He was still in school in a different state. So we decided to get married and I learned, jumped into firsthand learning about marriage. We started our family um, and four kids later, I, you know, was like, well, now, you know, my youngest was going into kindergarten and I was like, well, I better figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. So I went back to a master's program, applied to marriage and family counseling program, did three semesters of that before I realized that counseling was definitely not the route I wanted to go. I felt like I had this message inside of me. I wanted to teach people about marriage and how to have a great marriage. And one-on-one counseling was just going to be way too slow. And it was actually my group 
therapy class that made me finally just drop out of the program. I was like, I do not want to do group therapy. I do not want to do private one-on-one therapy. I want to talk to a lot of people at once. But what happened was I dropped out of the program. I got really depressed because I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, I feel like I have this passion and this message, but I don't know how to get it out. And luckily for me, I had this amazing neighbor who came to check on our family. He, you know, asked how we were doing. I told him the story. He sat on my couch and he said, you should start a podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds way too technical. I have no idea how I would ever figure that out. And he was like, well, luckily for you, I've been podcasting for years. I know exactly how to do it. I'm going to send you some instructions tomorrow. And I just want you to follow them step by step. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever, sure. And as he was leaving my house, he went out to his car. He went and got this book and brought it back to me. It was this book that he had written called Expert Secrets. And it was all about how to create this this, uh, um, leader, as as it were. And so I remember I was so impressed because I'd known him for years and I had no idea what he did for a living. But I was like, you wrote this book? And he was like, I did. And you know, real humble about it. And I remember the next morning I woke up and I started reading the book and I got the email with the instructions on how to, how to start a podcast. And a month later on the brighter side was born. And I I got to interview him on his success. He's an extremely successful entrepreneur, a, a happily married man, five children, you know, very, very family oriented. And, you know, I slowly began to develop my voice and more my passion for marriages, and eventually decided that I was uniquely qualified to talk about marriage and intimacy, which is something that not a lot of people talk about, but I truly believe that it is the key to most people having a very happy, passionate, connected marriage. And so that's how we got here. (laughs) And it's we're just glossing over the fact that Russell Brunson is your neighbor. Yes, we are. He's amazing. I just, <laughs> I just did um, a, a whole sponsored post series with him for Traffic Secrets, his newest How book. Fun. He's so, oh my God, that's so cool. So yeah. I, you He's know, amazing. It's so funny because I was like, so I know you own this company called ClickFunnels, but what's a funnel? You know, like what's a ClickFunnel? <laughs> and so finally, I started the podcast and about a year later, I was like, okay, Russell, I'm ready to do more. I want to make more of an impact. I, you know, I'm really excited about this. And and he's like, great. Well, you can um, do a summit now and like, you know, get yourself uh, connected with lots of experts in your field and um, associate yourself with them. And, and so I was like, am I going to need a click funnel for that? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think it's time. You probably got a click funnel. <laughs> oh, it's just taking your hand like, Oh, you sweet summer child. Come with yeah. me. I will do. <laughs> and he's so humble about it, but I learned very early that you do what Russell says and you, yeah. you don't stray from that and he's not going to lead you wrong. So yes, I am very lucky that he is my neighbor and our kids play together and he's a fantastic human being. Just couldn't, couldn't say more nice things about him. That's so cool. So 
when you started looking into creating this as a, you know, a way to support yourself and your family, um, how did you start to work out the, I guess the mechanics of it? So how did you start to think about, okay, I want to really focus on relationship and intimacy coaching and, um, like how, how did you plan to find your people who are going to come to you? Like what were the, I guess the triggers that you were starting to see would be good for um, getting people into your business. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the podcast was really, really pivotal there for me. I mean, when you read expert secrets, he talks about, you know, going, you know, going on a, on a journey, like the hero's journey kind of thing. And the, the whole epiphany bridge. And, and I knew that that was my passion and, um, something that I, uh, you know, I, I read about and I learn about and I ask people about and I observe and, you know, was living it myself. And so I knew that marriage was, was, you know, kind of what I was called to do. It was my message. Um, but it wasn't until after doing a couple summits, actually, I've done two summits and really interviewing experts in the field and kind of, you know, trying to create um, uh, content for for people who are married. And then uh, I, I entered this high ticket coaching program where I had another coach who kind of helped me, um, you know, develop kind of uh, maybe distill my message more. But it wasn't until I went to Funnel Hacking Live 2020, which was really sealed the deal. And I was like, you know what, who I'm talking to is too broad. I was talking to married couples and, you know, my message was just, you know, anything that helped you be happily married. But when I was at Funnel Hacking Live and the speakers were up there and they were talking about, you know, really knowing your target audience and creating an avatar that, you know, you could just physically describe and see, I was like, you know what, it, it kind of started there. That was like, kind of like the seed that uh, it, by the time I got home, I was like, I, I know what it is. I have to teach people how to have mind blowing sex. And, you know, for a very, very, very high percentage of married couples, that's kind of the key to everything else. I mean, it's not a blanket rule for everyone, but for most people, you can increase the passion and the pleasure and the attraction and connection and everything else when you start talking about intimacy both emotional and physical intimacy if you can get that locked down communication children finances all of those things just become easier and so that became my real solid message that i just started focusing focusing all my energy there you know when when i was talking to my my coaching clients and you know, I really learned that even if they were very, very disconnected in their marriage, if we could get them thinking about emotional and physical intimacy, then we could really overcome almost all of the challenges they were facing in their marriage. So it just, it, it's kind of still developing. I mean, every day I learn something new. And so I've just kind of dedicated myself to learning about it and teaching about it and living it. And it's, it's like seriously been the coolest journey ever. That's so that, and you just said cool, and I'm just like that's so cool. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to turn this into a Russell Brunson fangirl thing, but I want to talk about funnel hacking sure. later. Um, but you have a very unique challenge with your business in that you have to overcome 
a very hard mental block that a lot of people have where sex is dirty. We don't, we don't talk about our marriage, you know, this is between us or things like, so um, how do you navigate that is, uh, and especially when it comes to like marketing or advertising, like how do you get through that? Oh gosh, not only that, but Facebook like hates the word sex. And like, (laughs) (laughs) if I name any files with the word sex in it, they immediately like pull them down. I get put in Facebook jail. So I learned that the hard way. Um, So yeah, you're right. It is a challenge because there are so many negative messages about sex. I mean, there's definitely the whole, you know, programming when you're young, like we either don't talk about it or there's shame around it or, um, you know, there, there's a lot of that, you know, conditioning when we're younger. And then, you know, a lot of those people learn about sex from Hollywood, which is definitely not a good place to get your sexual education. And even worse, there's pornography. So, it's very difficult to navigate all of those, you know, kind of a barrage of negative messaging that we get about sex. It's very distorted in our society and in our families, even in our cultures, they're all very, very different. And so what happens is then you come together, you're married, and then you're supposed to have sex because that's how you have kids. But, you know, there's, there's so much to overcome there. And the way I've navigated it is I've just learned really positive messages about sex. I mean, I teach that, that your sexual identity is part of your whole identity. And so I know that if I just teach positive messaging about sex, then the people who need me will just come to me. Right. And so in the beginning, when I started talking about it, I think it turned a lot of people off. And so, you know, I, I would get the unfollows and the unfriends and the things like that. Um, but, and I got very little engagement on any of my posts. When I started talking about this, it was like silence. Like people were like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Right. And, and over the last several months, it's been amazing to see, I get messages and emails and DMS and the, my, my engagement has started to skyrocket on my Facebook post, people are getting more brave because I'm being vulnerable and then they feel they can get vulnerable. But even still beyond the engagement that I get on my actual posts, my DMs are just flooded and emails, people emailing me privately. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Like I needed this message. As I get more vocal, more people are drawn to me. And so I just have to remember that this is a sensitive topic and people aren't raising their hands and saying, yes, I need help with sex in my marriage. Right. But if I'm just consistent and I'm out there and I'm vulnerable and I'm sharing pieces of my own story, people eventually they find me and they open up and, you know, I've seen some really great breakthroughs and ahas and people kind of sharing these kind of intimate feelings and experiences that they're having. And it's really, I mean, it's really just a beautiful thing to watch and see people, you know, I I didn't realize, you know, that that physical sex was so connected to emotional sex and that, Mm. you know, you needed to like kind of nurture all of these things and being able to talk about it is in and of itself, being able to talk about these intimate topics with your spouse is 
is life-changing. I mean, it, it truly is build so much intimacy when you can be like, Oh, I, my, I didn't realize these were your thoughts and ideas and preferences. Right. And, and vice versa. And so it's, it's really been fun to see couples make these big breakthroughs, but it does take time. You definitely have to put yourself out there and speak <laughs> into the void for a long time before anything ever comes back. And that's what I, your social media is so engaged. You have a very loyal community of people who seem to really trust you. And, you know, you know, in business, like that's something you just is priceless. So that's really cool to see. And I love that you're talking about authenticity, especially in with a subject that's so not sensitive, but, you know, like people just don't want to talk about it. And so someone comes to you and wants your help. What is the and I know that every client is going to be different, but like, what is the journey you usually take them on in terms of like your business strategy? Well, that's ever changing because sure. I know what my message is and I know, you know, kind of how, how to help people, but marketing is hard. It's very, very difficult. And so I've tried lots of things I've done, you know, kind of relationship breakthrough calls with people I've done, um, you know, just, just uh, lots of opt-ins to, to my email list. I've, I've built a pretty engaged email list, which I feel good about. Um, and so people do engage with me a lot over email. And so, in fact, I've made kind of one of um, my fast action bonuses to, to anything that I deliver is, is email coaching because people will open up and tell me their stories over email. And it's very easy for me to then you know, read their story and be able to respond. Um, but, you know, obviously, if thousands of people were emailing me all the time, I couldn't always answer them. So, um, but that is something that I, I offer as, you know, a few people, uh, because I love it. I actually really love reading people's stories and being able to respond and go back and forth like that through email. So that's kind of like my gold thing <laughs> that I really love, but, but I've got a course and right now I'm working on a five day challenge where I just teach people, you know, kind of the basics, kind of give them a really good foundation of, of intimacy. Um, I talk a lot about the mismatch because that's what happens. You've got a desire mismatch in every marriage and actually over every topic in a marriage, there's a mismatch. That's what you have two people that are coming from two different backgrounds and have different opinions. And so you're always going to have a mismatch, whether it has to do with the way you think about your kids or the way you think about your finances, but definitely your desire mismatch. There's always going to be a higher desire partner and a lower desire partner. And so attacking that mismatch, not trying to fix each other or change each other, but, um, but really balancing out, you know, the needs of both the higher and the lower desire partner is where you get that synchrony in, in marriage. So um, this five-day challenge teaches about that. And at the end of the five-day challenge, they're offered the opportunity to do this eight-week course, which is training in the art of sexpionage. I'm super excited about it. It's a really robust, fun, gamified uh, course. And then, of course, it will buy me some time because eventually I'm working on figuring <laughs> out how to do kind of an annual annual membership where you're in a community of married people who are all working towards this goal of being attracted, connected, 
pleasured and passionate about, you know, their sex life. So, so that's what I'm kind of working on. Those are just different things I'm throwing out there and and trying and, and seeing how to best serve my people, I guess. I love, I love anytime you can get a portmanteau. So sex espionage is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> well, I love spy terminology. I'm having so much fun figuring out like just really how to gamify this. Like, you know, each, yeah. each module is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? And, yeah. you know, we're going undercover under the covers. Like I'm loving all of this really fun way to talk about something that's difficult to talk about. Right. So if we can kind of gamify it and make it fun and, and, you know, a little bit nuanced, it just makes it a little bit easier to talk about. And like to like lighten it up and not have it like sex is the serious thing. No, it's about connection. And that's so cool. So I, I have so many questions, but um, I really want to talk about, you said this is going to be year three of your summit, right? Yes. And this year we're doing the epic sex summit. And it's going to be so good. I have all these sex therapists and medical practitioners and just relationship experts who specialize in sex. And this year, um, we're going to blow this out of the park. This summit is going to be so much fun and so valuable to anyone who is, you know, in a long-term committed relationship. It should have like really the meat of, of, of everything that I feel strongly about. So I've worked really hard. I've got some really great guest speakers for this summit. So it's, I'm so excited about it. How did you get into the idea of starting a summit and like, what are the mechanics? What are the logistics of that? Because that sounds both amazing and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> well, for sure it was Russell. I mean, that was all Russell. He was <laughs> like, your next step is to start a summit. Because my my biggest concern always was like, who's going to listen to me? I have no credentials. Like, I can't even finish a graduate program. Like, why would anyone listen to me as a as an intimacy expert, right? And he's like, well, you you, you know, he, if, you, if you follow Russell, you know he, one of the the first things you do is you put yourself in the role of the reporter. And so that's what I did when I did my first summit is I just went out and I found experts, people who did have credentials, people that did have a history of talking about this. And I, I, and, and I used my platform, which is my podcast, which is a fantastic medium to get people who otherwise wouldn't know who you are to talk to you. (laughs) And so I had really developed my interviewing skills and my ability to ask questions. And, um, and of course I followed his framework for, for summits perfectly. I had a question that I asked all the experts to answer. And so it was like 30 days to, uh, it was like, uh, my first summit was like 30 days to, um, to save your marriage. So if you had 30 days to save your marriage and I asked all these experts, you know, kind of to make up a plan of how they would save their marriage if their spouse was like, you have 30 days. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was the kind of the premise of my first summit, which was really, really fun and lots of really great, you know, I learned so much. It kind of kickstarted me into like, okay, this is, you know, how I feel about things. And then I did a health summit um, where I interviewed a whole bunch of emotional, mental, and physical experts about health and the most um, uh, sought after topic, like the, the, the topic that hit 
home the best was this sex therapist that I interviewed on sexual health and people ate that up. I mean, they loved it. And I was like, my audience has spoken. Like, this is what we need to focus on is sexual health. And so that really was the catalyst. And that happened. So I went to Funnel Hacking Live. I had created the whole health summit and I came home like that next day delivered, like that summit went live and it was like sexual health. It was like, everybody was totally into that topic. So I was like, well, I guess that's what I'm doing. And, you know, I had a very, my mom was so open about sexuality. And, you know, I was like that kid in fourth grade that got a hundred on all the sex ed stuff you know, <laughs> because my mom had been talking about all of it to me since I was four. And so, you know, she's probably my biggest supporter and definitely gave me this really healthy idea of, of human sexuality. So it's easy for me to talk about. I love it. I'm passionate about it. And like I told you, I really believe it is the key to long-term lasting relationships. So, um, so that's kind of it, you know, summits are fantastic because you, you're giving your, you can reach people who, you know, uh, experts and, and influencers and people that you normally couldn't reach. And you're giving them this platform like, hey, I'm going to do all the work here and I'm going to get you out in front of the people who are looking for your message. And it, it's really a fantastic way to get people who otherwise would never give you the time of day to talk to you for 30 minutes about whatever you're most passionate about. So summits are awesome, but they are a lot of work. So be sure. prepared for that. <laughs> so, um, I had a question now. It's, oh, uh, your interview skills are fantastic and kudos to Russell for that, but kudos to you for having such a, you know, fantastic understanding of them as an interviewer, but more importantly, as a coach, uh, how do you, how do you recommend other coaches, other people, get people to open up on these kind of really sensitive topics, even if it's, you know, there are, it doesn't even have to be sex. There are some mental blocks that people just have money or whatever. So how do you usually break through that? Do you think that the email coaching is the best avenue or do you have other recommendations? Well, I really think it depends definitely on, on what you're doing, but I mean, what goes into making, what, what goes into making me, I think a good interviewer and a good coach is consistency. I mean, be out there in, you know, out there, however you um, publish your material, whether it's, you know, through a podcast, through a video show, through a blog, Russell talks about this all the time. You get out there, you're consistent, you stick around long enough to get discovered. And so I think that's what I've been able to do with my podcast is I've been out there very publicly talking about the things I'm passionate about long enough for people to be like, okay, this girl really likes to talk about sex. She's been around, she's been very vulnerable. Um, so, so consistency is key. And then curiosity. I mean, that's what makes you a good interviewer. And that's what makes you a good coach is just get really, really curious. It's not really about me. It's about my guest or about my client. Um, I really want to know what's, you know, what is either their area of expertise and what, what their messages that they have to share or what is, what is their concern? What are their blocks? What are their, um, you know, the way they're like, what are their struggles? And you get really curious again with your audience. 
So your audience will tell you what they need. And that's, what's beautiful. If you will just listen, they'll tell you what they want from you. And so then I use that also when I'm interviewing experts and when I'm helping my clients is just what, what is my audience telling me that they need from me? And what is my kind of unique value proposition that I have to offer them? So you marry those two and you've, you've got perfection. That's brilliant. That's yeah. I, I'm just taking it all in. I just think that that is such a um, elegant way to think about things because I think that a lot of coaches will get into their headspace of like, I need to make this perfect for my client or I need to make that I need to do this. And then they don't actually think about, let me just find out what the client needs. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's really about kind of surrendering yourself, right? Which is a good way to talk about sex as well, but it's really about <laughs> surrendering yourself and seeing what the people need. You know, what, what, you know, if you're, you know, in, in a marriage, it's a partnership, but, but I feel like I'm in a partnership with my community and I just, you know, what is it that they need and, and how can I serve them at the highest level? And that's all about listening to their needs. I mean, that's all it is, is just, I, I, I come you know, I come with an open mind and an open heart and I'm vulnerable and share pieces of my life until they get to know me and trust me. And then they will start to share pieces of their life. And then, you know, it's just, it's basically a relationship is all it is. (laughs) I keep going back to your ability to not only open up yourself on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, but your ability to get other people to open up and, you know, talking about no like, and trust funnel, that's such a huge component of any business, but especially a coaching business and especially something with intimacy relationships and things like that. Um, How would you recommend somebody get that strategy started? Well, I think you have to be willing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. It's a risk for sure. I mean, you don't know how people are going to respond to your story. It's just, you, you, so, so you start with being willing to take that risk and be vulnerable, just like a relationship. You, there's the courting period, you know, you've got to, you've got to take little risks and see, like I'm putting myself out there and you know, how is this person or, or this audience going to respond. And then, you know, you allow them to be vulnerable and then you see if it's a good match and you're not going to attract everybody, but if you're, if you're polarizing and you're passionate and you're vulnerable, then you will attract your people. I think the key there is just to be really authentic, vulnerable, and consistent and then to to recognize that that you're going to attract some and repel others and it's totally fine just serve the people so here is a principle of i don't know if this is marketing or attraction or i'm not sure what this is but but this is the way i think about it and i i i was taught this by somebody named Alison Faulkner who i love but she talked about, and this is how I think about all my social media pages. I don't worry about my numbers and metrics and all of that. It's like, if you, if you put this, you know, put all this energy into, um, into, uh, planning a party, right. And you, you send out invites and you have maybe 10 people that show up to this party and they're at your house, right. Are you going to be in 
you know, inside talking to and serving and hanging out with the people that came to the party, or are you going to be outside on the curve, like with a sign, like, please come to my party. Like, (laughs) no, you have to focus where your audience is. And so you have, you bring them into your world and you serve them at the highest level. And then they go out and say, Hey, Monica throws a killer party. You should come, right? It's not you standing out on the curb, trying to get more people into your party. It's whoever comes to your party, you serve them at the very highest level. You are again, consistent and vulnerable and loving and serving And then they go out and they get more people to come into your world. So I would say set up your world and then really serve hard and fierce in your world and more people will come. It's not about being out on the curb and and trying to get every passerby. It's not every looky-loo. It's the people that you've served are going to bring then more of that to you. Oh my, I, that party analogy is perfect. That's, like that just gives this abstract concept of your avatar or whomever just that really makes it just real. That's so brilliant. Um, wow. I love, I was just thinking like, I want to make a marketing party. Yeah, <laughs> do-, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then serve those people and then they'll go out and bring more people to your party for sure. <laughs> but I think a lot of people get confused because marketers are like, you know, go out and stand on the street and hold up your sign and, and dance and, and bring people into your party. But, you know, that's not the best way to get this solid community of raving fans. You've got to be in the party. You've got to be serving those people and then let those people go out and hold out signs and bring more people in. Well, that's fan. So you said you learned that from Allison, but did you, do you think that you hone that in, in funnel hackers, which is my segue into let's talk about funnel hackers. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, Russell's good at, at, at traffic and, mm-hmm. you know, of course I, I follow his frameworks completely, but I, I remember that in all of my marketing, when I, when I'm going out and I'm, I'm, I'm finding the, the places where my people congregate, you know, I'm there, I'm mingling, I'm serving. But when it comes right down to it, the majority of my focus is on the people that are at my party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, those people are going to go out and find more, more people for me. And those are going to be my raving fans. Those are going to be, you know, the people that will follow me anywhere. Um, so, I mean, I think it may be just be like a, a percentages thing. Like how much time are you spending on the people that are in your world and how much time are you spending trying to find more people? Like, of course, you've got to go do your marketing. You've got to solidify your messaging, but it's the people that are already following you that are going to give you the words that solidify your message. It's going to give you the, all of the information that you need to get out there and then attract more people to you. It's not going to be like, you out there always playing in the traffic. You've, you've got to focus on your community, the people that you're serving for sure. Hey guys, Megan here. How are your conversions doing? Are they maybe a little won't won't? I am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow, but there's a catch. It's totally free but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, 
join my Facebook group. No, <laughs> joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing. It's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. And, you know, Russell, and I'm sure you're very familiar with the Dream 100. And just for me, when I was doing, that was super intense. And it was like really hard homework to do. But, you know, the more that you talk about this, the more that it's just like, that's, that's where you have to be. You can't, you said you can't be out holding a sign in traffic the whole time. You have to go into your party. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about the Dream 100 is if you will be consistent, if you will figure out how the best way to spread your messages, for me, it's my podcast. I love it. You know, I have a little bit of YouTube channel that's like very slow um, going, but I mean, I have a little YouTube channel, but, but my main message comes through my podcast. I've been very, very consistent. I've showed up every single Monday morning for over two years and people know that on Monday morning, a new podcast drops, right? So you find your way of, of distribution, your channel of distribution, whether it's a blog or a podcast or a video show, and then you're extremely consistent. And then when you're going after your dream 100, you've got this platform that you can offer them like, Hey, I have this show and mm-hmm. or this blog or whatever it is. And, you know, my people are interested in your message and you, you build this dream 100 by giving them the opportunity to show up on your platform to your people. And most dream 100s, I mean, you know, if you've been around long enough, they will come and and then you create this relationship and there's no, in my world, there's no competition. I don't see anyone as competition. In fact, I just, this next week, interview, um, that I will publish an interview with a woman who like her life is exactly like mine. It's hilarious. She's got four kids. They're about the same ages. She's been married. She's been married longer. Um, she's a doctor turned relationship and intimacy coach and her message, she's written a book, but her message is like exactly mine. Like almost word for word, like we're out in the world saying the exact same thing, but she says it a little tiny bit differently. Her voice is different. She's a little bit older, more experienced, has a different kind of way that she got to where I am. And so I'm like, if I'm really interested in helping people who are married, like you said, it's a very delicate topic. And so, you know, if you're going to open up to somebody, you shouldn't have to overcome the obstacle of feeling comfortable. So some people are going to feel more comfortable with her and some people are going to feel more comfortable with me. She talks slow. She's very calm. I'm like <laughs> you out here, like screaming and yelling, right? We're different. We have different voices, even though we say very, very, very similar things we say it in a different way. And so there's room for both of us. And so I love having her you know, as a mentor, as a peer, and, and, and as a competitor, as it were, right? So, so we, we help each other along, and we give people, you know, a platform. And that's really like such a a great, so, you know, having a platform, I guess, is such a great way to build up that dream 100, just go out there and find them and find people who are, who are saying what, what you, what you want to say, and passionate about, you know, something that, that helps your audience. And, and that's really what that Dream 100 is about. And it's so much fun to create it. 
it's very cool just to see the just the quantity of it once you stack it all up together and um we're running on, we're just about at the end so i want to talk about your podcast and yeah. let's let's dive into that because it's i've listened to a couple of episodes and it's so inspiring i really love the idea behind it oh thank you i i love it like like i said it was it was totally like Russell being like, Hey, you, you start this podcast, you, you find your voice and you get your message out there. And I remember being like, if you go back and listen to some of the first episodes, maybe the first 30, probably it's terrible. I was bad at editing my music, like was super choppy into my really terrible edited interview. And then, you know, and it was just bad at the beginning, right? But he he warned me. He's like, it's fine. Everybody starts at the beginning. Everybody has to start somewhere. And it's going to be bad at the beginning. But keep going and you will find your voice. And I was interviewing anyone who would, like, give me 30 minutes. I'm like, give me 30 minutes. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, it wasn't, like, focused looking for, you know, people that were spreading my message. It was like, if, if you'll come on my show, I will interview you. Right. And so I, I practiced and I got good at it and I kind of honed in on my skills, it, all of it. Right. And so, you know, I leave those first 30 episodes hoping like, like crossing my fingers. Like if you stumble upon those first 30 episodes, like I hope that you will have the patience and, and find some value in here to keep you going um, because it just gets better. And it's like that with anything, anything new you want to try, People have to start at the beginning. You have to realize you're going to suck. It's just right. going to suck. But, um, but, but you do it and you get that out and then you hone in your message and you just become this powerful force. So my, the podcast has been so much fun. I always tell my husband, like when we like, like sometimes we're like, well, we want to, you know, take some time off and we want to travel. And I'm like, as long as I can keep my podcast going, I'm totally, totally fine because I love having the opportunity to to interview people and to find out what they're passionate about and and help get their message out to my people if it will be helpful. So I'm I'm definitely more focused in who I interview now, but um, but it's it's definitely been a process. <laughs> well, where can people find out more about you and your podcast? Yeah, so you can find my podcast at www.onthebrightersideoflife.com. And then all of my marriage resources live on www.onthebrightersideofmarriage.com. Excellent. And we'll link to those, of course. But this has been so awesome. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's been so fun. Thank you. Okay. Part Yay! one. <laughs> uh, do you need to like get a drink of water or anything? Are you? Nope. I think I'm good. My, my hubby just walked in. So yeah. Um, I got to tell him to be quiet, but other than that, we're good. We keep going. <laughs> okay. So, um, anything but beige is not, is not the business one. It's just about passion of things. So hello, husband. I see his shadow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm ready. Let's talk about sex. This Excellent. So the way that the intro is for this is it starts with, hi, I'm Monica. And my passion is blah. And then the intro, and then we go into the interview. So um, I will count you in. And then all you have to do is that one sentence. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. 
Hi, my name is Monica Tanner, and my passion is sex. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, for people listening to this, uh, Monica and I have already gone through another uh, episode about business, and that's on my Stop Sucking in Business podcast. But this one was the origin because I wanted to talk to you about how you, this is going to sound so silly, but how you get passionate about sex and how you turn that into something you're so passionate about that it becomes the main driver of, I mean, not your life, but your business and create like, so for the listeners of this one, let's talk about the origin of finding your passion for intimacy and relationships. Well, so, you know, starting at the beginning, my passion for intimacy and relationships really started when, you know, when I was a a child, I was a part of of this really nuclear family. It was a mom and a dad and a a me and my brother. And we had this like perfect, perfect life. And until I turned 12, my parents announced one day that they were getting a divorce. And that just kind of, you know, crushed this beautiful utopian life that I was used to. And things got really, really hard. And so uh, as a very precocious 12 year old, I became very, very obsessed and passionate about what makes relationships strong and lasting. I would, you know, observe my friends, parents and anyone I knew who was married, married, and I wanted to know how they stayed happily married. And, um, and so then I went to college and studied the same thing. And um, we've kind of talked about my business journey, but I, right after college, I got married and um, started a family. Four kids later, I went back to graduate school thinking that I really, really, really wanted to counsel people in marriage. I, I went to school for marriage and family counseling and decided that that just wasn't um, the right way to get my message out. I didn't know what the right way was, but but I knew it wasn't that. And so um, then I got very involved in the world of, of click funnels and marketing and, and learning about messaging and, and what that was. And so um, I kind of landed on this idea and kind of developed it over time that sex was the key to strong and lasting relationships, passionate relationships. And when I say sex, I don't mean just intercourse, which is what most people think of when you say sex. I'm talking about emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, relational intimacy, like all the things like foreplay starts when you wake up, I teach. And so it's all of those things that make you feel close and connected and vulnerable with another human being. And I do believe that sex is the highest level of human connection. I mean, it is the life giving power. So not only is it power to create physical life, but it also is the key to creating creativity and self-assurance and all of these beautiful things that create attraction, connection, passion, and pleasure, which to me is the whole purpose of life and and sharing your life with another another human being. So that's how I got really passionate about sex. (laughs) Well, and what you were talking about just now is I would love to hear more about the, the, the different avenues of sex, like the emotional, the physical, the mental, like how do you differentiate that as 
someone who maybe has blocks about sex? Well, there's all kinds of, we talked about this before, there's all kinds of negative messaging around sex. I mean, it's probably one of the most distorted ideas in our culture and society. I mean, there's, you know, you've got it, the messaging that you get as a child, you know, where, where either your family doesn't talk about it or there's shame around it. And then you grow up and you, you've got you know, Hollywood's version of sex, which is super distorted. And then you've got pornography and all that comes with that. And so typically most of us walk around getting, being barraged with negative messaging about sex. But the truth of sex is, is that it is the glue that holds relationships together. Um, when you, when you consider it in the broader sense of emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. So, so once you get into a marriage relationship, it's really, really, really important to be filling, you know, to try, try and get those negative ideas out and then start filling your, your mind with these healthy, positive messages that, that sex is good and it's of God. And it is the power we have to create life, but it's mm -hmm. also to give us pleasure and to be able to find our passion and to learn about ourselves and another human being. So when you can connect that vulnerably and that completely with another person, um, it really is the opportunity to figure out who you are, who they are, who you are together. Um, and it's this, this beautiful um, connecting thing, but you know, in every relationship, you're going to have a higher desire partner and a lower desire partner. And the, the trick and the key is to balance out the needs and the desires of both members of that partnership. And doing that is in and of itself connecting and bonding and, and, and this beautiful opportunity to, you know, put yourself aside and to focus on somebody else. And so I think that we grow and we learn and become through this process of figuring out our own sexual needs and the sexual needs of our partners and being able to put that all together and, and create this beautiful, passionate life together. Well, how do you think people best find their sexual preferences? And I, I know that sounds like a almost duh question, but just going back to our society of like, especially women where you are quiet and polite and demure and you do not, you please, yeah. you, you are a people pleaser. And so um, how do you recommend, especially women get through this in order to be a better partner and honestly to be better to themselves? Yeah. So I think it starts with a lot of self-reflection. It's a lot about looking inside and seeing what the sexual messaging that you've taken in all of your life, um, being able to, you know, keep, keep a journal or, or some way of really just examining how it is that you think about sex and, and the ideas that you have about it. And then it's about um, really thinking of yourself as a whole person. So when, when we think of ourselves, our identity as a whole, we've got our physical identity, our social identity, our mental identity, our emotional identity, intellectual identity. There's all these pieces of ourselves. And it's really important to understand that our sexual identity is very much a part of who we are as a, as a human being. And then when we start to 
um, bring in positive messaging and develop that sexual identity, then we can get a little bit more honest with ourselves and clear about what our sexual preferences are and, and making that a really important part of who we are and what we share with our partners. That's beautiful. And you're so right. Like it starts with just recognizing the negative messaging that we all have and that we've all taken in. I mean, you know, my family, I came from a very, I don't, I don't know, traditional, but my mom had a lot of issues, you know, like my mom had a lot of, yeah, yeah, uh, self-esteem issues. And um, I think her place in the world and then, you know, sex was, you don't talk about sex. And so it was especially difficult for me to start figuring out and, you know, when I went to college and things like, what is my sexual identity and how do, how do I find it versus going along with it? And, you know, like, I, I was sexually assaulted. And so I know that there's a lot of just stigma of, I can't have my preference. I just have to. So I want to talk about, um, again, going through that in a way of learning to be a better person, but also learning to understand sexual compatibility. So, you know, for listeners who are just getting involved in a relationship or I don't know how they're doing that in COVID, but I hope, I'm sure that people are getting together in this world. Um, how do you recommend people go about figuring out their needs enough to say that either this partner is sexually compatible or not sexually compatible or is somewhere in that spectrum where um, it, it, it's worth it for us to continue. You know, you were talking about like the partnership hierarchies and some people given more. So um, how do you recommend people recognize things like that? Well, I mean, it's kind of like figuring out what your favorite food is. I mean, some people go, you know, a very long time in their lives not knowing what kind of food they like because they always kind of default to whoever they're with, right? So, you know, if my family is very much into Italian food and that's, you know, kind of what I've been fed all growing up and I think that I love Italian food, right? And then it's kind of like you said, you go to college and you're like, wait, do I only like Italian food? Or there's like so much more there, right? There's like Chinese food and American food, like all the different kinds, right? And so it's kind of this process of trial and error. Like you have to be willing to kind of try some things out and see what you like. And you might decide that Italian food is good, but man, if Chinese food is an option, like that is where it's at, right? So so it's just kind of this process of, of, of feeling you know, somewhat confident and comfortable branching out into something new and trying it out and seeing how you feel about it. And then there's definitely an element of attraction. Like, you know, if you walk past a Chinese restaurant and that smell just like overwhelms you and you're like, I, I have to, you know, try this. Right. And so as humans, we are attracted to other people. And so it's just being willing to, you know, kind of put aside what we've been fed our entire lives and being willing to try something different and see how that feels and how that tastes and all of the sensations that that come with a, a relationship or an attraction or you know figuring out 
another person. And so, and so that's really what it's like to develop your sexuality. It's the same as trying to figure out your favorite food. You know, you've grown up in a family, you've probably been fed something very similar. And then you go out into college where there are no rules really. And there's tons of options and you just go out and you, you get brave and you figure out what you like. And, and hopefully you can do that. A lot of people don't, a lot of people will get into a committed relationship. That's exactly like what they were fed all growing up. And then Mm -hmm. at some point they're like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't ever, you know, I I think of Julia Roberts in runaway bride all the time where she's always been in a relationship and then she, she runs away, you know, she's always running away and, and then she figures out, you know, what kind of, she goes through this process of figuring out how she likes her eggs (laughs) and, and, you know, figuring out your sexual preferences is very similar. You know, hopefully you find someone who you can, you know, create that, safe space to learn and grow in. I mean, that's, you know, kind of how it happened for me. But, um, you know, some people have to go through a lot of heartache to figure that out. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, at some point in your life, you get enough courage to kind of branch out and figure out what it is that you like. And then once you figure out that you are super into Chinese food, and you meet someone who maybe likes Chinese food, but they're really more into pizza. And you're not a fan of pizza. Like, how do you recommend going back to like the sexual compatibility? Like, how do you recommend people recognize either that this is not going to be something we can get past or this is something that I'll I'll try or like, how do you how do you navigate this in a relationship? Oh, I love this topic and I could literally talk about it for hours, but I'll try to like, I'll try to distill it down. But I, uh, I think the best way to talk about this is in a concept I call the beauty of conflict. So this is where you're always going to have different preferences as another human being. I mean, you didn't grow up with the same experiences. I mean, no matter who you are in a relationship with, you're going to have different preferences and it's going to create a a little bit of conflict. And I think conflict is fantastic. It's a wonderful thing that, that drives the passion and fun and spontaneity in your relationship. So conflict is good. And so that's the first block that we have to get past is that a lot of people think, oh, if we're constantly disagreeing and we're always in conflict, like that's bad. And there's something wrong with our relationship, but I will argue that it's very, very good. And so what happens is you learn tools that I like to teach um, that will help turn this conflict into creativity. So another concept that I love to talk about is, is uncompromising intimacy. So I hate that word compromise. I think it's like a dirty, dirty word because nobody wins in a compromise. And if you're always compromising, then you're constantly giving up little pieces of yourself. And so, um, so I teach that, that vulnerability and, Oh gosh, I just forgot the word. Um, Vulnerability and um, curiosity. Curiosity plus vulnerability turn conflict into creativity. So if you can be curious about your partner and you can get vulnerable with your partner, then you can take any conflict and turn it into a creative solution that is better than the original. So compromise breaks down individuals, you you become less than the original. But 
turning conflict into creativity is where you take two individuals and you make them even stronger than they started. And so definitely my husband, I love all kinds of food. In fact, when we travel, I'm like, I want whatever food is popular here. Like I am a foodie. My husband will only eat pizza or pasta. Like that's it. We can be in any foreign country in any land and he wants pizza and pasta. And we've learned to create this beautiful, fun, you know, dynamic where we'll go to San Francisco where all I want is crab and like shellfish and like whatever, like fresh right out of the ocean. Right. And we'll go to a really nice restaurant for me where I can order, you know, the Dungeonese crab or whatever. And he will go down the street to in and out and bring his hamburger into the restaurant. It's hilarious. Sometimes they'll bring him a plate and a cup and like pour his milkshake into like a nice cup. (laughs) But I mean, that's our relationship. He is very unadventurous when it comes to food. And I'm like, give me all the things. I will try the black squid, like whatever it is, right? And so, but but we love each other. And so it's easy for us to be like, let's go to the place where you can get what you want and we can stop by the place where you can get what you want, right? It's just... It's just how we do it and and it works well for us. So <laughs> that's what I teach other couples to do as well. So I want to talk more about the curiosity and the vulnerability of that. And can you just expand a little more about how, like what is the first step in the relationship of we've been together a while, you know, I feel like something's off. How do you, how do you spark that vulnerability and that curiosity with someone? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I love that question because you're always going to have differences of opinions. You're always going to have different ways of, of tackling something or, or doing something, right? And so instead of just immediately being like, that's not the right way to do it, or that's not what we do, it's it's being really curious, like, huh, like I noticed that you're loading the dishwasher completely differently than I would ever think to do it. Like, where did that come from? And you get, instead of attacking, you just open up. And this is, I mean, this is valuable information for any relationship, a working relationship, anything, right? Instead of just being like, that way is not right, because that's not how I do it. It's where did that, like, I, like, I'm wondering, like, how did you learn how to do that? Or where did that opinion come from? It's, it's just opening yourself up and then being able to get vulnerable. Like, you know, when I was 12 years old, my nanny taught me how to load the dishwasher this way or whatever the, whatever the the thing may be, or the way you do your finances or the way you want to raise your children. It's just, it's opening up, it's opening up yourself to learn about your partner, and then to get really vulnerable about yourself. Like, like, like maybe you have to explain, like, it really scares me when you do this with the kids because of this experience I had. And it's opening, it's, it's opening yourself up so that they can open themselves up and be vulnerable as well. So when you are curious and vulnerable, you allow your partner or whoever you're talking to, to open up and be vulnerable as well, instead of just condemning them for being different or, or not doing it the right way or, or however that is. And I think that a lot of people in those situations where the curiosity is, I guess like a seedling, you know what I mean? Like they, they are having a bad time in a relationship. It's not working out or, 
it's gotten old or what have you. And I'm thinking specifically of dead bedrooms for lack of a better phrase, you know, where there's just, there's emotional scarring and there's, you know, physical, um, like there, there's just blocks Wounds and raw yeah, spots. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, um, how do you recommend people take the first step in that kind of situation? I, I think it's, it's just using the language of curiosity. I think it's, it's very much just instead of being quick to be offended, it's, it's just really opening up and being like, I noticed this about your response in bed or, or whatever it is. And just asking about it, like, like, you know, I'm curious as to why, you know, when I go to touch you here, you recoil or, you know, it, you know, it seems like you, you, you're not interested in this or, or whatever it is. And just being able to just be curious and wonder instead of being totally offended and being like, well, I guess they don't care about me or I guess, you know, whatever. Um, it's, it's like putting aside your own assumptions and being like, tell me about this. Like, why is this, you know, why does this happen like this? Why is your response like this? And then being willing to be, be vulnerable and be like, I feel like when I, I go to touch you here and you recoil, like, you know, it, it kind of hits something inside of me where I think, oh my gosh, like, you know, then I feel bad. Like maybe she doesn't want me to touch her or, or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's inviting them to, to, share their experience and their, their heart with you in a way that's safe and, you know, builds trust instead of, you know, put, put up walls. It basically it's, it's inviting trust and collaboration as opposed to putting up walls and, and building anger and resentment. That's beautiful. And I hope that that, I hope that relationships there are relationships that can be saved like that. Like my, um, my mother and my stepfather were together for like 17 years. And I always said like, they were only together financially, you know, it wasn't, there was no intimacy and there was no, I, I don't think there was love. I think there was like a friendship, but, and so when I, when I hear about, you know, people being vulnerable and curious and, from my own experience, it was just of no one was willing to take that first step in that kind of, in that kind of marriage, you know, and it's so they're people, you know, they're still, they're each individual people with passions and loves. And so it's, it's not fair to kind of be in that situation. And I, I love hearing about just conversation being the key to that, you know, and, when do you, uh, the question that I'm, that's in my head is when do you know that it's not going to work? And I guess, I don't know what sense I mean that in, but I'll just, I'll say that question and I'll let you tackle it how you see fit. That's actually a really hard question. When do you know that it's not going to work? I mean, if there's any type of danger there, then I would say definitely like, you know, respect yourself enough to get out of a dangerous situation. Um, but, but it really does to your, to your thought and point about your mom, it takes a lot of courage 
definitely to be the first one to be willing to be vulnerable. I mean, that's a very difficult thing for most people to do. But I think when, if you're willing to, if, if you're invested enough to be willing to have the courage, even though it's very scary and it's a huge risk to open yourself up to another person. But I've seen a lot of situations where you have people who have been married for for many, many, many years who've never taken that risk to be very vulnerable. And, you know, they've gone, you know, 20 years thinking that something was a certain way, but never asking about it or never explaining their experience with it. And so if you can have the courage to open up and to be really vulnerable and brave, most times, like more times than not, you're going to invite vulnerability from another person. And that just changes all of the it just changes all of the aspects of a relationship, the dynamics of a relationship. And so uh, another thing that I teach that is, is very, um, is, is you only need one person to change a relationship. So a relationship is a dynamic where you, it's, it's a system. And so if I behave in a certain way, that's predictable, then my partner can, 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 uh, respond in a certain way that's predictable. But if I work on myself, if I learn different skills, like people are always like, well, I'll never get my spouse to, to, you know, commit to that or to agree to that, or, you know, want to they'll never want to work on our relationship. Right. But you can change or fix. Like I, I, I love using the word fix because people are like, can you just fix my spouse? Right. No, but you can fix your spouse. Like you actually really can, but not through the way that you think, like you're not going to be able to force them into any certain behavior. But if you start changing the way that you show up in the marriage, you start learning tools and change mindsets and, and, and like do all of these things, you are forcing your partner to change because it changes the dynamic where it's no longer predictable for them. Like they can't count on you showing up or behaving in a certain way and it forces them to change the way they show up and behave as well. And so in any if there's any level of love and commitment in a relationship, if you start changing the way you show up, it's going Mm -hmm. to change the dynamic and they're going to change. And so if you start putting in this vulnerability and curiosity, and then chances are more times than not, they are going to show up in a more vulnerable, you know, uh, surrendered state as well. And you get this beautiful, even if it's gone on for years and years and years and years in the same way, you change the dynamic and the relationship will change. Your partner will change. You can fix them, but it's not like you can take a gun to their head and be like, I need you to change this. It's by changing yourself and the way that you show up. And then they're forced to change. They have no choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the like gun to the head analogy of just like, you have to actually turn the gun on yourself. <laughs> exactly. No, I yeah. love you just said that. That was awesome. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way, but it's true. You do. You have to put yourself in the fire. You have to be willing to take chances and risks and, and, and put, make yourself vulnerable. And that's what's going to fix or change your spouse. Well, and I, I'm hoping this is a good segue for you've got a summit coming up in a couple of weeks. 
all about sex. Yes. Let's talk about it. I want to hear what's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I have got some incredible sex therapists and medical professionals and marriage experts who just have like really dedicated their lives to educating people on different topics surrounding emotional and physical intimacy and sex. And so um, I've even got some some authors who who write about, you know, pornography and teaching your kids about pornography and how to teach your kids about sex and the birds and the bees. There's there's something for everyone. It's going to be so, 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 so much fun. So I'm really, really excited. I mean, just keep your eyes and ears peeled for the Epic Sex Summit because it really is going to be so educational and frankly, mind blowing, I think to most people that, that I've gathered, I don't know if I've seen this anywhere else, but I've just gathered all the sex experts in one place. And you're going to get to hear from all of them. It's going to be a blast. It's an online summit, right? Or is it in person? It's all online. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, where can people go? And what are the dates? You know, I, it's going to be in October, probably the first or second week in October. And um, you just, it, 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 if you're following me anywhere on Facebook or Instagram, which I'm Monty Tanner one, or if you're on my email list, or you can always go to on the brighter side of marriage.com and, and the details will be there. So. And speaking of on the brighter side, let's talk about your podcast and how mm -hmm. that came to be like, how, how much joy I see in your face when you talk about it. Oh, I love the podcast. The podcast has been so much fun, but it, it really has been kind of my journey of development, right? So whenever you whenever you first start anything, you have to start at the beginning and so you're going to suck, right? And so it's been this opportunity for me to kind of step back and see myself develop into this confident kind of mouthpiece for sexual intimacy. Um, but you know, at the beginning, I had no clue what I was doing. I was just kind of fumbling and bumbling around and, and, and figuring out how to speak about anything, really. And so, um, you know, it's it's been a little over two years now that we've been doing the podcast. And it's just kind of grown and developed as I've grown and developed. And so um, right now, we're in the middle of a women's sexual health series where I am interviewing some of the same experts that will be on the sex summit. But um, it's just, it, it's awesome to be able to really dig into their stories and find out how they got started talking about sex and, and, and health. And um, so it's really fun. The podcast is really fun. It's just, it, it kind of grows with me. Like as I mm -hmm. learn new things, I bring them into the podcast. So um, it's, it's a really non-threatening way to learn to get positive messaging about sex from experts who have kind of dedicated their lives to spreading a message, a healthy message about sex. So you, there's, you know, nobody can see you. Nobody, it's in your ears. You know, you can listen, you know, with your kids around. It's just, it's, it's a really fun way to start kind of learning about healthy sexuality. And where can they find your podcast? You can find it on any podcast listening app by searching on the brighter side, but it lives at www.onthebrightersideoflife.com. Well, and I guess the last thing, is there anything we left out that you want everybody to know? No, just sex is good. And if you want to create anything, if you want to create life, you got to have sex. If you want to create, you know, passion and, and, 
you know, creativity and anything you want to create that the power of, of, of sex is going to definitely help you in that endeavor. So have sex. Sex is great. (laughs) Thank you so much, Monica. Hey guys, Megan here. Just a reminder, I have regular Q&A episodes coming out. So if you want your questions answered, head to meganbrain.com slash ask a question, all one word, and you'll be able to get your question posted. And if I feature it, you will get a copy, a free copy of my book, Day One, A Practical Guide to Launching Your Business. So again, head to meganbrain.com slash ask a question. And if your question gets featured, I'm sending you a free copy of my book as a thank you. On the next episode, it, it, it didn't really, it just kind of came into existence. Basically, I saw that these women were trying to start businesses and they were getting stuck by the technology piece, right? And so when I started my blog, it was all about, let me help them figure out the tech stuff to their um, online businesses. And, you know, I did that for a long time. Um, and, you know, then all of a sudden it morphed into me providing services and me doing trainings and all this kind of stuff. Um, and what was cool about that opportunity though, or just cool about that experience in general was that, that, um, that exposed me to a whole different audience of people I probably never would have met in my career otherwise, because, you know, when I started my blog at the time, I was a network engineer. So I was very much a woman in the tech world, 